What movie did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Hedwig and Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Yep. F- film from film. 1999? Uh, 2001, I think, is the film. Is the film. Based um, on the off-Broadway yeah, stage from the production. Late, from the late 90s. Late 90s. Um, it, was in, it was in production for a long time. So, like, there's the off-Broadway production is sort of the, like, premiere. But uh, John Cameron Mitchell was developing the character of Hedwig for years before that. Well, in and drag shows. and That's how art happens. What? It it's doesn't not just, just birthed fully formed yeah, from the head of Zeus? <laughs> right. Birthed fully formed. <laughs> No revisions or anything. Yeah. yeah and and the, the film is, of course, identical to the stage musical. So there's no reason to, you know, discuss one without the other because art never changes. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right. It's never, yeah. Uh, that was sarcasm. Yes. Okay. So this is first impressions, unrehearsed, unscripted, unresearched. <laughs> this is my first time seeing the film. It is not Kevin's. Yes. And this is when one where I'm like, um, for me, I'm like thinking that you need first impressions aren't everything and recording your first impressions on something. Sometimes you really need to watch things more. I, You probably always need to watch things more than <laughs> once before you come on with a final judgment. Of course. Of things. So it is my first time watching it. But Kevin has had the time to think about mm-hmm. it and watch all of the like supplements and mm-hmm things about I mean, it honestly one of the reasons i wanted to put this on our podcast so much is because i needed to watch it again um having watched it the first time i was like okay and then i sat with it for a while and then i've i've been like rattling it around in my brain for a long time so i wanted to make you have to go through that too <laughs> when, when was the first time you watched it um the first time i like watched it start to finish was when i got the blu-ray that's what which i is thought in the last year or so been recent um yeah recently recently um, I had listened to the soundtrack and the Broadway revival soundtrack of Neil Patrick Harris because I'm a big fan of his. Um, but it's an interesting musical in that the soundtrack is not the full show. And I mean, that's true of most musicals, you know, unless you're looking at something that's sung through like Natasha Pierre and Great Comet or Lemus or Hamilton. But those are the exceptions, generally speaking. But I think that's even more true of Hedvig. Because the soundtrack is like a rock album with little bits of like story and character kind of woven through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because the stage show originally was performed as a rock concert. Mm-hmm. A rock um, concert in an abandoned blank. Um, fill in the blank. Yes, fill in the blank. Um, I think the, the off-Broadway show is like a hotel or something similar. It may have been like a, a like small theater um, the off Broadway or the Broadway revival in two thousand something was with Neil Patrick Harris was taking place in a Broadway theater where the Hurt Locker the musical had shut down the night before after its first performance. Was that real or part of like the that's story, part of the story story of of that yes that is uh, revival that is okay. the story of the revival is that it is okay I was I, I thought it was some some part of the Iraq War yes. reference yeah so it's 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 a fascinating musical like just in its staging because the the location in which it is staged is a part of the show mm-hmm. um, that was true of the original off Broadway production. Um, that was true of the Broadway revival, and it's true of a lot of the other performances, is the the idea of the show is that it is taking place in the space where it is. Mm-hmm. And this is Hedvig on her tour, um, following Tommy Gnosis across the country. And so we are seeing a single performance of that evening's show. Um, and then, of course, the movie changes that significantly. Oh, not significantly. Changes changes how they accomplish that. Um, I don't know if there's a quick synopsis you can give. I mean, the kind of that's it is it's a rock concert <laughs> where Hedvig is kind of telling these stories. In the film, they can kind of narrativize it mm-hmm. more into flashbacks and yes. things. So she's not telling it directly to the music audience. Yes. And they're in different venues throughout the film. Although it's always the same Bilgewater's. <laughs> It's that's the running joke is it's there in the Bilgewater of New Orleans or the Bilgewater of 
Minneapolis. What's the joke? Well, it's there's two parts. A Bilgewater's is a goofy name for a restaurant. Like it's a it's a made up chain restaurant mm. that's sort of like a uh, you know fast not a fast casual like a casual dining like Fridays or Chili's yeah, yeah. chain across the country for called, your <laughs> for your rock concerts <laughs> for your very like normal run of the mill family yeah. Um, um, heteronormative family, and the joke being that Hedvig is performing all of her shows in Bilgewater's across across the country as she's following Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also in the film; it's a practical concern in the making of it because they only had one set, and so instead of having her in thirty different locations over the course of the movie, it was always like she's performing at this Bilgewater's or this Bilgewater's, and they would just redress it slightly and shoot it from different angles um, to get around the idea that she has to be in all these different locations over the course of the film. <laughs> yeah, right. Creative solutions to yeah. small budgets. Um, and this really is, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a small budget indie film. Um, and feels like that in a lot of ways. Not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can get thrown around as like, oh, this is an indie film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was really hesitant to watch this. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, tell. I felt like... Um, I was worried about pro- I was worried about it being more of a product of its time mm-hmm. when this wasn't really in the mainstream consciousness mm-hmm. of how we talk about trans and non-binary. Mm-hmm. But, hi, buddy. Pussy uh, would like to help. Yes, she's got things to say. Yes, you do. Right into the microphone, just like that. Yeah, you're a help. <laughs> um, and most biggest concern is that Hedvig had. All of the headliners for Hedwig that I know of have mm-hmm. been placed by cis men. Yes, and um, I'm like almost oh, exclusively. There, oh, there are like red lights. There are like two exceptions to that, and um, they're both like this is a big exception sort of thing. Yeah, um, but yes, I totally understand your concern in terms of like we have this, and I'm I am going to use the term trans because I believe Hedwig is trans in the sense of not being a cis gendered person. Well. Her yeah. actual gender is a lot more complicated than that. So, quick quick gender word primer for sure. everyone. Now, all of these terms are contested. They are changed rather frequently. Language is complex. Yeah, a lot of these changes are happening on Twitter, honestly. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> Twitter. Um, but when we say trans, it we use it kind of as an umbrella term. We use it based on all of the things, people, things we've read, people we've talked to. Yeah. Um, trans is kind of an umbrella term. Trans does not mean a binary of going to trans men or trans women. Yes. Um, trans can include non-binary mm-hmm. and gender queer and all of the other genders. Although a lot of people who identify um, as a non-binary somewhere gender very much do not like to be described as trans. So yeah, yes. It's, that's it's complicated. That's my little primer um, on on language. Yeah, when I use trans as an umbrella term, I use it as someone who is not the gender they were assigned at birth. Yes, um, and I think right now it's one of the better terms for that category of people, for that collective group of people who are assigned a gender at birth. Incorrectly, mm-hmm. what they actually are could be any number of things. Um, as you said, it's not strictly moving from male to female or female to male. It's more complicated than that. It is. Um, but I, watching this a second time, the first time I watched it, I, I, the question in the back of my mind is: Is Hedvig trans? I was asking that a lot because that's a conversation that we're having a lot. Like a trans woman, not okay. All right, all so, right. So the question is, is if, if she's a trans woman is a different question than if she is trans asterisk yes. umbrella term. Yes. Um, and this time I was much more comfortable saying that she fits into the category of trans as an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. While probably not necessarily being a trans woman in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. As if there is such a thing as a traditional trans woman, which there isn't. All trans people are unique. All trans women are unique and have their own perspectives on the world yeah and i think i'm uh, a lot less concerned with trying to define the character's gender yes um than i am i asked right before mm. of trying to figure out their pronouns yes because i want to make sure that i'm 
mm-hmm. getting them right and and being respectful of the character. Being respectful of the character, but I don't think uh, that it's a useful conversation to be to say they're gender fluid or gender yeah. queer, um, especially for us cis folks. Yeah, and so I I do use she/her pronouns for Hedvig. Because that's basically what everyone in the show and outside of the show use. Mm-hmm. Um, both, the, I mean, like the creatives of the show also use she, her pronouns. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I've landed on that question. Um, because that's how pronouns work. It's what the people use. And now Hedvig doesn't refer to herself in the third person very often, if right. at all. Right. Um, which complicates things mm-hmm. but okay so being that john cameron mitchell refers to her as, as such mm-hmm. i am comfortable doing the same yeah and then yitzhak yes who is hedvig's husband yes um, is yitzhak he... is far more fascinating to me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, 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 there's, I was trying to, I wrote down how I interpret, I just said that I wasn't going to give them You were going to solve their genders. But then I wrote down, uh, well, because I had been reading Yitzhak as a trans man, Mm -hmm. um, and then when he seems to either go into female drag or be a woman mm-hmm. it's complicated it's complicated it's not true so i wrote down hmm okay so cis woman actor because miriam shore is a cis woman cis woman. Yes. cis woman actor playing character read in the world as cis man but mm-hmm. who is actually trans woman <laughs> that is not a definitive answer no. but that was me trying to go wait what well, check check my Check how I'm reading representation. Yes. Let's, yeah. It's complicated because I think, I think Yitzhak's, Yitzhak's story in the film is really fascinating because it is told much like Yitzhak himself on the edges mm-hmm. of everything. It's always in the background. Um, the stage show, as I understand it, having not seen any production of it ever, um, is a little bit more explicit in Yitzhak is a drag performer. He performs in woman drag. Okay. But he has been forbidden to do so by Hedvig mm-hmm. in a, frankly, like, abusive sort of way. Yeah, um, yeah. In the yeah. stage show and in the movie as well, Hedvig yeah, is that. abusive to Yitzhak. Yeah. And and so I don't, because that's not in the film when we're talking about the film, I don't think the film is as clearly defined in that way, which I think is fine. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with the ambiguity of it. And um, I think think you can read it a lot of different ways, because I think also in the film, Hedvig is less of a drag queen than perhaps she might be in the stage show. I think there's there's some complications right, there. Right, and so my visual references are from the 2014 revival with Neil Patrick Harris yes. and later Tay Diggs and later mm-hmm. Dexter, but the actor who plays Dexter and I... <laughs> Michael C. Hall. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and so the Broadway revival is one of the few shows that had a woman at one point playing Hedvig. Yes. So the original Yitzhak of the Broadway revival played Hedvig for a while. Um, Lena Hall. Yes, I looked that up. Uh, Lena Hall played Yitzhak opposite Neil Patrick Harris. And then at a point in time, I don't know exactly how long the run was, she also instead performed Hedvig. Um, and so one of the instances of a... Not, not, a not a cis man. Yes. Of a cis... A non-cis man. Playing. Which, where I've just recentered. <laughs> language is hard. Um, Language is hard. Yes, playing Hedvig. Yes. Did Laverne Cox play? Did I, I don't that think up? Laverne okay. Cox has ever played Hedvig. I would love to see Laverne Cox play Hedvig. Okay, I just made that up. Um, okay. Nobody, don't nobody. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. It's playtime. Play attack. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Jinx Monsoon played Hedvig in Seattle in 2013. Okay. 
um, according to the Wikipedia page that I'm looking at in this very moment. So gender and performance, very, very complicated. Yeah. So back and to where we, we were starting, which is you were hesitant about watching this and it being so much a product of its time. In, yeah, in a bad way of being um, a cis man playing. Yeah, and being ignorant a, a of character. any sort of gender complications. And using performance as gender in a more, like... Um, uh, stage version mm-hmm. of gender performance. Um, this is not going to make sense. Um, in a non-genuine mm-hmm. way. Yeah, in a, um, in a maybe camp is the word you're looking for. Maybe in a camp way, which has its place. Like yes. drag shows mm-hmm. are, you know, yeah. are camp. And the and, original and bringing attention to gender as a performance. Yes, and the original Hedwig performances came out of drag shows. It was John Cameron Mitchell performing drag on stage as this character and as he was sort of building out who this person was. Yeah. But I was surprised at the the complexity of the story Mm -hmm. that it's telling, um, the, the ideas of duality Mm -hmm. and identity and internal identity and the ways that we present to the world, how the world reads us. How the Um, world sometimes forces gender upon us. Right. Right. Um, the violence of, of kind of policing gender, mm-hmm. um, violence of patriarchal, Western Christian, <laughs> heteronormative society. Yeah. Um, so, so it's more complex. Yes, and there's a lot of things to unpack. Um, yeah, so I felt better. <laughs> I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure it's still problematic. Yeah. I think oh. so. And, I, and and like any narrative that involves this sort of stuff, you cannot take it as universal. And I think no. there's a tendency for any marginalized group that has something like this for it to be taken by the dominant culture as exemplary, as this is the example of how this is. And that can be very harmful. And you... Like, right. Yeah. Well, and this musical has now been mainstreamed. Yes. Got a Broadway production. Got a Broadway production. There was an episode of Riverdale about it. Yeah, it's been mainstreamed now. Yes. And when things are mainstreamed, it often takes the bite out of them mm-hmm. and the progressiveness mm-hmm. and the challenge to the status quo yeah. of things. So that, I think that was another where I was like, oh, it must. It must not have. It must not be <laughs> so challenging. And I think. I think that is true to a certain extent. I think it was a lot more challenging in 2001 when the film originally premiered than it is in this 2020 year um, because so many people have become more aware of the sort of things that it was doing and playing with. Um, So the reason that you can get a Broadway production of this in 2014 or so is because the world has shifted and because it is not as boundary pushing as maybe it was 20 years ago. But we're still not there no, as a society. No, um, no this is still pretty boundary pushing for a lot of people. Well, and I was thinking, and we can talk about the Riverdale episode, which we couldn't finish. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, I don't want to finish watching this. So the, the CW TV show Riverdale did a Hedvig episode this past oh, season. And um, it's like Kevin, who is a cis gay character. Mm-hmm. Um, Riverdale is pretty white white pretty like yeah. beautiful white pretty cw people. pretty people um and and he's trying to argue for this to be the high school musical and he's saying this is the voice of our generation and you know this taught us about questioning gender norm and mm-hmm. sexuality and then and we were both like mm, this is not your generation's musical in my head i was thinking if anything it would be Rent, even though Rent was done before yes. that character is born. Yes. But I feel like if I'm going to think of the genre-pushing, rebellious, young yeah. musical of my generation, mm-hmm. it would be Rent. Yes. And, um, I think... Which is now a very problematic... Now <laughs> we, we identify it as a very problematic yeah. it musical. Has, it, it is very much a period of its time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Where is it going? But these are like 
similar times when these came out. Yeah, yeah. Rent was the apart. late 90s and this was the early 2000s and, and, and maybe even closer than that. Yeah, and, and so I was picking out in the film, like, Yitzhak... It took me a while to pick up the storyline. Yitzhak's <laughs> keep wearing a Rent t-shirt. Uh, he sees the casting call for yeah. an international tour of Rent and takes that... And he's very excited to play. He gets a part of Angel yeah. in Rent, and like how excited he is about doing that. Arguably, he's also excited about maybe like going out and being yes. his own person and and getting it's... out of Hedwig's shadow abuse control, control yeah. um, thing. And so I kept in my head comparing those musicals because Rent is to me a lot tamer than Hedwig. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rent is like baby's first queer show. Yeah, baby's first queer show. So run down real quick of what's problematic with Rent. Uh, it's kind of heteronormative. It's real heteronormative. It's real heteronormative, even for being about queer characters. Yeah, but the, the main characters epidemic. are always straight. Yeah. Uh, it's very white. It's very white. It's not all white. Those, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very white. Yeah. And the main characters living this bohemian lifestyle are poor, but they are... Come, they come from wealth, like yeah. so. They have a huge safety net. They're not going to be out on the street. Yes, and that's they're they're playing. What is it? Playing poverty yeah. or playing? They're they're poverty tourists. Yeah, um, that's that's the quick version. Yeah, quick and dirty. And it's it's depiction of gay people is also very straight. <laughs> like the biggest um, heterosexual relationship is between. Uh, Angel and Collins and Angel's gender is complicated I would argue and I hope any new productions of Rent further complicate that um, but is only he's only ever referred to by male pronouns in the course of the show while living almost entirely a female life. Right, which is an example of where it gets it wrong. Yes. Because we as a Society weren't getting that language, yeah, right. Um, and that's yeah. that's a problem. Um, it's a problem then. It's a problem, it's a problem now. now. Um, although those are two characters of color. I think Angel is supposed to be yes, yes. I mean, I've I, they're so like identified with their original. Yeah, the original cast, which cast. then became the film cast. Um, yeah. What about Mimi and R- Roger? What is? I don't know about what about it. Uh, they're pretty heteronormative. Oh, they're super heteronormative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're the ones with AIDS. Yeah. Other than Angel. Angel has AIDS. Um, but, like, they're the, like, thrust of it. And then Angel has AIDS and dies. Mimi and Roger don't. I mean, Mimi dies for a second, but Roger sings her back to life, which is... I mean, you talk about the, the barrier gaze trope. Like, that's mm-hmm. it in a nutshell. Um, but yes, this is incredibly boundary pushing compared yeah. to something like Rent, and I think holds up better than something like Rent. Yeah. And by something like Rent, I I mean Rent. <laughs> now I want to go see when Rent was. Um, rent musical. Uh, so ninety six was the original Broadway yeah. premiere. So yeah. very close. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Kevin from Riverdale does understand why Hedvig is. <laughs> The Boundary and Pushing musical that was made far, not far, but before he was born. Yeah, I mean, so I was thinking, like, if I was going to pick one, again, we are not in high school. Um, you know, I know what shows are popular in high school right now, or at least most recently was Hamilton, obviously. Um, Be More Chill was very big for a while. Um, Evan Hansen. Evan Hansen was very big for a while. All of which are incredibly straight. Like, you can't go like, this is the voice of a queer generation in any of those. Um, I mean, Be More Chill might have a gay character in it, but I don't know of one off the top of my head. Um, Dear Heaven Hansen, the only gay character, dies before the play starts. Um, I think. I'm not even sure if he's gay. So I was trying to, like, roll back, like, when could you pull something? Spring Awakening was the one that came to mind. But Spring Awakening is not queer in the same way. I think there is... There are a number of queer characters, but they're all secondary. Yeah, yeah. So it's not forward as a, like, Mm -hmm. queer play. Yes. Well, and that's, I think, in part because the original story that it's based on is not queer at all. It couldn't be. It's 19th century Germany. I mean, it was incredibly brownie-pushing for what it was at its time. Yeah. 
they they brought in I think some of that storyline to try and tell those stories in a modern setting. But yeah, I mean, even though we have Hedvig on Broadway in 2014, like it's still a pretty out there show in terms of what queer depictions of gender look like on stage. Like there's just not many this big. Nope. <laughs> Kevin from Riverdale. I guess. Oh, they butchered it so badly in the whole. They did. It's like they didn't really like looking at Sugar Daddy in the red, like in this compared to the Riverdale episode. Yeah, so let's talk about the song Sugar Daddy. (laughs) I love the song Sugar Daddy. Well, yeah, that's like one of the like that's one of the earworms of the show. Neil Patrick Harris performed it at the Tonys. Yeah, well, that's the performance that I was thinking. I I was just dismissing Riverdale, but we can talk about... Oh. God, why that was so, so, like, oh. <laughs> did you watch the play? <laughs> did, no. did you just listen to this song? Yeah. You're missing all of the subtext. <laughs> um, which, which performance shall we start uh, with? We'll start with the movie, since that's the one we watched. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the songs take place in in the world of performing these concerts in the Bilgewater yes. restaurants yes. across <laughs> the U.S. Across the U.S. <laughs> Especially in middle America. Yes. Which is another important point I want to come back to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this com- Sugar Daddy c- comes after the story of he's telling of being in East Germany mm-hmm. and uh, like meets this our U.S. Army sergeant, sergeant. Yeah. Um, who mistakes her for a woman, a, a cis woman, a cis woman, specific. yeah, um, and like asks her if, you want, if there's any like American candy yeah. that she wants, and so she's telling a story about th- this is there's the how the relationship started mm-hmm. is they're they're getting. Um, Candy. Yes. American. Which, which, as you know, any Sperlin you couldn't get. Yes. And that was the American. whole, the, that was a big deal to be able to get American Yeah. Candy. And the sergeant wasn't expecting um, a non-cis woman, mm-hmm. and but falls in love anyway. Yes. With, with Hedvig, whose name. Uh, At the I, time is Hansel. I don't know if that's a dead name. Right? I this think, is complicated. I think, I think this is incredibly complicated. And I think yeah. that's, I don't think Hedvig conforms to the expected trans narrative in a lot of ways. Well, she's forced into taking the identity of Hedwig. Yes. She does not choose that name. Yes. Um, And she refers to herself as Hansel throughout the thing, and and Hedwig. I think that's getting into the duality of stuff that the play and the show are dealing with a lot, is the idea of this dual nature, and you have Hedwig up against Tommy Gnosis, so yeah. Well, as okay, so this is a conversation going on in mainstream society, but I know it was taking place in trans communities at the time of representation of mm-hmm. uh, dead names, mm-hmm. of pictures of your childhood pre-transition, mm-hmm. like, and that can be really um, harmful, harmful, yeah, and traumatizing. Yeah, never use a trans person's dead name. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Period. Don't do yeah. it. Um, well, and also don't share, like, photos of them. Without their permission. Without, without their permission. Their explicit permission. Yeah. Um, it's an, in Jackson Bird's book, mm-hmm. Sorted. Uh, he talks, like, this is the ethical process I went through of this book. To justify. To put these photos of me as a child. Yeah. And I'm still not sure if I made the right decision. Yeah, and he, he later made a video about that. And, like, I kind of almost wish I hadn't at this point. Yeah. Like, because of this, some of this stuff. So, and... we're... You and I are aware of these conversations yes. now, but, um, and I know that they were happening in trans communities. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So I can't say. Yeah, I mean, I can go through Where Mitchell is about. getting, like, if he's thinking. Yeah, yeah if he's that's, thinking that's these the thing things is, I think created sometimes it. I think Hedvig is good in spite of itself and in spite of John Cameron Mitchell. Um,. By which I mean, I don't know that he understood what he was doing. And I think he got lucky in that he did it pretty darn well anyway. And it wasn't a horribly, like, transphobic or... Yes. And I think, to a certain extent, that's because he treats 
the character of Hedwig with a lot of respect and with a lot of humanity and a lot mm-hmm. of agency, even when she's mostly in abusive relationships her whole life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he doesn't really, Mitchell doesn't land, as we said, on a, a specific gender role. Yes, for Hedwig. Not gender role. A gender. Yes. A gender. <laughs> she has many gender roles. Yes. I, I think... I don't know if Mitchell was the first person to say this, but I read it in the in the Criterion essay that comes with every Criterion Collection edition of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, was that Hedwig has her own unique gender of one. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very good way of describing it. Okay. So, so I got Sugar on that Daddy. tangent because Trigger Daddy is about a flashback <laughs> this, during this her East Berlin... <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on in her East Berlin days. So the song is kind of about that yes. relationship. And of yeah. course, a sugar daddy is, you know, the innuendo also mm-hmm. of an older man who takes care of a younger Ingenue. lover. Yeah. Um, and I wrote down, this is the most tame performance of sugar daddy I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so understated. She seems so ambivalent yeah. about singing it. And every time I've seen this, in in performance because it is like the earworm of yeah. the show. It has been the show stopping number. Yeah. Well, and it, it is really fascinating because in in this context, it's kind of a, a sweet poppy country song. Like it's got a little twang to it, and like the Neil Patrick Harris production, which was the first time I ever saw this, mm-hmm. is much punker. <laughs> it's it much is more in your in face. Your face. Literally. Getting out of the audience. It's a car wash. I love that line. I love that bit. Which was in the original show. In one of the documentaries I watched, it was... um, Mitchell was talking about he always went to the exact same seat. And so eventually people learned that. And so they would try Uh, and get that uh, seat in the show. uh (laughs) For the car wash. Um, Yeah, no. I think think it is... I I, I go back and forth on it. Because I think I like... The in your faceness of it a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. I, I think it makes it a little rawer, um, and is a little bit more weirdly reflective of the abuse of the situation. It is like Neil Patrick Harris did this performance on the Tony Awards, yeah, whatever, 2014, 2015. It's aggressive. Yes, in that in your face, it yes. is. Um, powerful mm-hmm. uh in 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 like a domination yes sort of way yeah um and then i then there's the riverdale performance which misses any and all of this yeah so the riverdale performance is the, all the the women cast members characters of the show in their uh in the like mom and pop diner which is yeah. a, i think a problematic diner to <laughs> Riverdale's got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, there are layers. Um, and so, and they're trying to convince the principal to let Kevin do... Hedvig. Hedvig as the musical. And so they're in their tiny, tiny short shorts, tight, like, shirts. Yeah. And they perform this number as a seductive number yeah. to the older the principal. male principal. As if somehow that will convince him that it's okay. Maybe they're trying to seduce him into letting him do it? Which is... <laughs> One, not what the song is about. No. It's not about getting a sugar daddy. No. Or trying to entice someone into that role. No. Ooh. Well, someone, someone fell dropping down. Dropping things upstairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that... But like all of the performances in the Riverdale Hedvig episode, none of them seem to understand the show with any real strength. No, but they really wanted to mainstream it they did. into something that a Riverdale audience. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way about their performance of Wig in the Box. Um, that's the one that made me turn the episode off after Wig in the Box. I was like, nope, I'm done with this. I can't. Like, you've, you've taken this incredibly transgressive queer anthem and then, like, turned it into a makeover song that, oh, that yeah. removes, like, any agency of the person singing. Because all six of the women in the scene sing it to Kevin. And just, oh, it made me so mad. It, it's, I mean, it is kind of getting into a conversation about the heteronormativity of uh, mainstream representations of kind of uh, lesbian and gay characters. Yes, Absolutely. 
Don't watch the Riverdale one. Just 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 go grab a copy of this off the shelf. It's much better. Or go watch Neil Patrick Harris. Or go watch Neil Patrick. I mean, go watch Neil Patrick Harris doing it at the Tonys because that's on YouTube and it's real good. I want to watch him do the whole show. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So he also started out very cautious. Mm-hmm. Well, one, because it kind of starts with, with these flashbacks of Hedvig as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going, mm, okay, did we think, okay, what does this mean? Did we <laughs> How think does this mean, this? yeah. Is this a violent representation? Is it supposed to be a violent representation mm-hmm. of life um, for a trans a trans person? Yeah. Um. But, and then I got to, clearly, Hedvig as a child was sexually abused by her father. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Did that turn her trans? Like, Are yeah. they going to go with that sexual yes. trauma equals transness? Which is real bad. And, and something I think, again, they narrowly avoided, I think. Not, I think they got, that's, again, where I think they got lucky rather than good. Right, because, okay, so there is a transphobic belief out yes. there that all trans people are trans because they've had sexual trauma. Yeah, which, which to be in their clear, was also used against gay people in the past. Like, right. it's the same argument, yes. because that's what's happening with the trans movement right now, with trans people are getting the exact same arguments that the gay community got 20 years ago. <laughs> right, and not only that, but that gay people, trans, I mean... Yeah, gay and trans trans people are uh, going to be sexual predators of women and children, right? That's the whole trans bathroom bill Mm -hmm. legislation, conservative belief behind of it. Does not happen, has never happened, is not an actual fear. (laughs) And it's a real fear that people have, but it's not... Right, it doesn't mean that, you know, a LGBTQIA person has not had... Sexual violence. sexual violence in their mm-hmm. in their lives. Yes, it's, because lots of people have experienced sexual violence yeah. regardless of orientation or gender. So I didn't want to go. Well, clearly they, they can't have that storyline. Period. Mm-hmm. Because of the repercussions of this, like sexual assault equals transness. Yes, but I think we have to be very careful about only depicting trans people with sexually violent pasts. Yeah. Um, because that reinforces very negative beliefs. Yep. Very harmful beliefs. Um, so yeah. I think the movie got lucky. <laughs> I, I think that's a... It's a really hard question for yeah. modern day productions doing it. Oh, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't do it. I would. I would. I would use the fact that I am on stage in the present and I'm not doing a flashback to not have to show and make that explicit. I would. I would remove it. I don't think it's necessary for Hedvig's story. I. I don't know how the script reads. I don't either. I don't. I don't think it's in the. Well, it wasn't in dialogue. Yes, it, it was, was not. It was all visual. Visual. So I don't know. Yeah. You you can't cut dialogue in a script as copyright infringement, but you can cut stage directions, Mm -hmm. which would tell you. um, Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing in in what we know. Yeah. Trans people have always known this. Yes. (laughs) Trans people have always known this. Diverse representation on stage and off. Yeah. Of things. Okay, but then they go into Hedvig's relationship with Tommy Gnosis. Yes, which is abusive. Abusive. He's 17, Tommy Gnosis, when they start a sexual relationship, which gets into consent Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. And I I don't want to get down to, okay, what's their states? Yeah, that's not not the right answer. (laughs) Uh, It certainly... uh, I was... Afraid of consent issues. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of it reinforcing the narrative of, you know, gay trans people mm-hmm. abusing. Yeah, I um, think I think the charitable reading there, very charitable, is you know representing the cycle of abuse. Yeah. You know, abused people often end up abusing others, um, and that's what happens in this film. Um, it is not identical to what Hedvig went through, but like, yes, Tommy was too young. (laughs) 
I don't care about age of consent laws. I don't yeah. care about any of that. Tommy was too young. Yeah. And Hedvig was arguably like grooming him, like trying to turn him into something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not just a rock star, although she was trying to do that as well. But there was more complicated things there. I had another thought, but it has. Um, I know. Uh, it has it's disappeared for now. Um, Apparently, there's there's an argument somewhere on the internet as to whether or not Tommy knows this is even real in the stage show. Mm. If it's just like another part of Hedvig's mind, which I think actually hurts the narrative in a lot of ways. Mm. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's important to. It's not that these storylines can't be told mm-hmm. that Hedvig is abusive and it's a cycle of abuse. It's when this is the only, only story. story we really have of, of non-binary characters yes. in, in kind of a mainstream yeah. space. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, Hedvig is one of the first major non-binary characters depicted in a major film. Major for given value of, like... It's not, like, world-renowned or... No, it's an independent film. It was an off-Broadway production. Yeah. So, it's not... It's not, like, Terminator. It's in the Criterion Collection, for crying out loud. Yeah, but so is Armageddon, so... (laughs) And that's agreed to be a mistake by almost everyone. (laughs) It was an early... You know how the early seasons of reality shows are weird? The early spine numbers of Criterion Collections are weird. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so... Problematic relationship, abusive mm-hmm. relationships that yeah. Hedvig is in. Um, and then we see that, of course, it continued with Yitzhak, mm-hmm. which is also an abusive relationship. Um, yeah, and when he... Uh, I'm going to go with he. For Yitzhak. Yitzhak. I am as well. Yeah. Uh, in Early in the film is kind of like stroking Hedvig's wigs because mm-hmm. she's like... It's like... An unreasonable number of blonde wigs. Um, so many. That's a, that's so, a great reveal, though. Yeah. And she's stroking it. And so I was kind of... At first, I was wondering, oh, maybe he or he is stroking it. Maybe Yitzhak is in love with the character, mm. Hedvig, rather than the person. the person. Because there's clearly, like, conflict. Yes. Tension in this relationship. Yeah. The actress does an amazing job of... Performing without any lines yeah. over the course of the show. Yeah. And then at the end, Hedvig, give, at the end of the film, Hedvig gives her hit. Give, yeah. Yitzhak is especially tricky uh, because it's very complicated. Yeah. The wig. And then it cuts to Yitzhak in full female drag. Yeah. Either drag. Or, or dress. Or dress. Um, it's... it's, it's it's intentionally ambiguous, ambiguous I would it's argue. It's ambiguous. And then I had the thought of, I think it was um, Emily Vandermeer talking about watching Moulin Rouge and being like, I can't figure out if I wanted to be Nicole Kidman <laughs> or was attracted to her yes. in that experience of being a trans woman. Yes, I think Vanderwerf is the Vanderwerf. Vandermeer is an author I read. Oh. So okay. I, I... Yeah. <laughs> Emily... Vanderwerf. Werf. W-E-R-F-F. Okay. <laughs> yes, I don't know if I want to be Nicole Kidman or be in love with Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Or maybe both. <laughs> or maybe both. Which is apparently a very common experience for trans women, particularly ones who are not even out yet to themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was thinking of when <laughs> Hedvig hands her, hands Yitzhak. Yitzhak. The wig. Yes. Yeah. Well, and of course you have, and I think it's it, something we haven't talked about yet, is at the end of the show, Hedvig loses the drag, so to speak, um, and is performing almost nude on stage in in an outfit and makeup very re- reminiscent of what we've seen Tommy Gnosis in just minutes before. And in the stage show, apparently, I was just reading, that reprise of Wicked Little Town that is sung by Tommy is sung by Tommy as played by the actor who plays Hedvig in the show. So in the stage show, Hedvig has a breakdown, goes off stage, come, the actor comes back as Tommy Gnosis to sing the reprise of L- Wicked Little Town. 
and then stays in that outfit for Midnight Radio, the sort of finale number. Mm -hmm. Which complicates things, again. Um, some people read that as, oh, Hedvig is, is now a man again, which I think is, is a real reductive and yeah, useless... Yeah, that's not how gender works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, that's not true at all. I think it's it's more complicated than that. And, and I think it's Hedvig sort of taking ownership of a lot of things and sort of coming to a, a an emotional realization in a way that is not as simple as oh she was Tommy Gnosis the whole time or they were the same person or now she's a man again none of that none of that helps the show like again if John Cameron Mitchell meant for that to be the case he got lucky in that it's more ambiguous than that right so gender does not change with appearance yes that's yeah you don't have to look a certain way to be a gender that's why we talk about trans people having always been their gender yeah um and how a trans person is expressing their gender now may not be how they always express it in the future and that's okay and neither one of those is incorrect and it wasn't a lie or a deception in either case I hope we're doing enough to like caveat all of these things we're saying. No, and I'm also like I'm I'm thinking about how race functions in in the stage and film mm -hmm. show too. Um, this isn't race, but I, I do think it's very interesting that she's from East Berlin. Yes, to me that that alleviated some of my initial concerns. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but I think because it's such a complicated place of east berlin yeah and there was so there's so much like gender fluidity mm -hmm. in a lot of old like underground german mm -hmm. uh clubs yes of, of um especially as these authoritarian yeah regimes well and i mean happening. i mean obviously this is much later than the the world war ii period of the nazis destroying lots of things but it is you know one of the things that's really I think overlooked in history is how much gender nonconforming and trans people were punished by the Nazi regime. I think we, we erased that history and the fact that there was yeah. Oh, yeah. so much research being done about trans people that was lost because of the Nazis yeah. um, that was literally destroyed. And it would have been and, queer history and queer representation. Yes. And, and that is just gone. Yeah. Um, so yes, there's a lot of complications there. I think it's really interesting. I didn't notice it the first time I picked it up, and this time that Hedwig's mother took them to East Berlin when the wall was going up. I yeah, think that's, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, like ooh, like they ran towards that. Yeah, and not away. Yeah, so that that's some unpacking because she got a job, and mm -hmm. the, you know the communist benefits. Yes. Of, of being in East Berlin. Um, Oh, it made me think of I Am My Own Wife by Moises Kaufman, mm. which is a German trans woman who is hiding from, may have been complicit with the Nazis. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's been show. a long know, time I know since of I've the read show, it. I've never read it. So yeah, it made me, um, made me think of that. Too. Yeah. So, so that was that was something. Another case of a cis man playing a trans person. <laughs> I don't know who performed as. Oh, I thought I thought it was Moises. I don't. Okay. I fair. don't know. I was assuming it was Moises, but I could be. I incorrect. have a feeling it was a cis man. Yes, because that's who we always get to actor. play trans women up until like um, the last five years. Um, Scarlett Johansson. Well, she's I'm, not I'm saying we still do as, it. Yeah. Yes, we still do it. We still cast cis people as trans people, but like in the last five years, we've started to finally cast trans people in trans roles. Yeah. Um. So. Eddie Redmayne, I'm looking at you. Felicity Huffman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although I think Felicity Huffman has said that was wrong. Yes. And she's she's come around on that performance um, and yeah. been like, eh, we probably shouldn't have done that. But um, Yeah, so... Uh, uh, I can see where this character doesn't have an American take on, on race. And one of the first things that, again, warning flags, is he's talking about the Take a Walk on a Wild Side song. Yes. Which... It's such a racist song, and it just <laughs> makes me cringe anytime I hear it, uh -huh. or it's like not remarked upon. Mm -hmm. 
So he's uncritically. Yes. It's one of the like musical it's like, well, influences. Yeah. And then I of course I connected that to it's a black sergeant. Yes. Um, who who oh, uh, takes Hedvig away or Yeah. Um and I don't know. I don't know if it's problematic. I don't know if it's if it's the race of the character in the script. Mm-hmm. I bet I'm I'm having a little bit of a cringe. Yeah, I I am too. I get that. Um, yeah, because the rest of everything is so white. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the 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 whole queer band is mm-hmm. white. Uh, the people in the restaurants. Yes, in, in kind of this middle America space. Um, which is a stereotype yeah. of, of middle America. And then you have the Korean wives. Right? And I went, okay, I'm going to... I don't know. I mean, so here's here's my take on that. And I don't know that it's a strong one, but it's, some, but it's where I, I think I landed on this, is Hedvig is very much like those Korean generals' wives. Yeah, I wrote down, like, okay, they're... They're all outsiders. They're all outsiders. In this they, army were, town. they were, you know, probably bought, brought to this country with very little understanding of what was going on, being promised a better life, and are probably all a little bit miserable. Mm-hmm. And and like I think it's really important that that's the band we see when Hedvig sings "Wicked Little Town" for the first time, mm-hmm. and it's sort of this song about alienation. With a band of people who are all feeling alienated. And then, of course, she's singing it to Tommy Speck, who... Which is abusive relationship. Abusive relationship, but also, like, the opposite of alienated. Like, yeah. he 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 takes on Hedvig's alienation and turns it into a worldwide success, even though it's never something he really possessed. Um I feel... I think my connection there... So when the reprise of Wicked Little Town comes... When Tommy is singing it mm-hmm. to kind of to it's filmed like it's too yes. Hedvig at, at the end, it sounds like a song of abuse. Yes, because it is. <laughs> and so then I was reading back in that moment how like that could that was a problem that could have been a problematic relationship with the yeah uh, yeah band of Korean yes wives it could well. have absolutely have been. Um, yes, the generous reading of it is they're all outsiders. Yeah, in this town, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's kind of where yeah. I was. But but Hedwig is is not a saint, and she could absolutely be abusive to all of her band members, not just the ones we see her being abusive to. I, but I will say, in the this is why performance matters. Yes, in the performance of um, the those women were into it. Yes. And they were having fun. Yes. And they were like being assertive and powerful mm-hmm. there. So they were. Um, they were part of the band. They yeah, weren't being we, dragged they weren't into it. Falling into Asian women stereotypes yes. of meek, you know, soft voice mm-hmm. people, and that is important. Important. <laughs> yes. That is important. Yeah. Okay. I wish I wish Hedvig had kept them as their, as her bandmates because they were cool. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, and I and I think I think there's a real, uh, you know, problem with such a white queer space. Yes. Too, and we can get the history of the erasure of you know, um, queer people of color. Yeah, bringing yeah. about change. Mm-hmm. Marsh P. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and others. And others who have done a lot of things. They've been doing this work a long time. Yeah, queer visibility. <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. And since since a large portion of this show is about a white man taking the songs of Hedvig, who is yes. not a cis, who's a trans person. person um, that is such a narrative that, that plays out with people of color. Yes. They have their ideas stolen. <laughs> And, and yeah, I'm reminded of um, the song from Blackish we watched yesterday. We built this, mm-hmm. and the idea that you know our entire American history is founded on taking the work of people of color and claiming it as our own. Yeah, yeah. So I see also where that yeah of the film it depends I how you cast it. Yeah, well, again, putting Tay Diggs in the role of Hedvig yeah. does a lot of really interesting things. Yeah. 
Um, still a cis man playing the role, but just being black adds a really interesting complication to the performance. Again, one of the reasons this... It, representation is always important. Mm-hmm. When you're playing to a Broadway house, your audience is predominantly white. And rich. And rich. <laughs> and so you, you like... <laughs> So it's extra important. Yes. <laughs> to think about think about these things. Absolutely. Also diversifying audiences and making it accessible to all. But you know You know, things like that. Um, they um, try they try that. Yeah. So many things to okay. Here's my other thing. I think this is the last thing that you, I have. You're out of things after this? I okay. mean I can keep going. <laughs> I can keep going. Um so Another thing that I think was really kind of groundbreaking in this was queer representation in rural America, mm-hmm. because so much of this takes place in um, Hedvig's kind of finding her place in the world in Kansas, I think was where the army base I think was. that's where she ended up, yeah. Um, and she's living in a like dilapidated mobile home, mm-hmm. um, and it... So it's playing against the stereotype that they're only, you know, rural America's yes. all white and straight, heterosexual. And yes. Um, which <laughs> turns out there's queer people everywhere. Yeah. And it just made me think of the recent controversy around Taylor Swift's music video for Shade. What was it called? Calm, calm Down. Oh, Calm Down. You need down. to calm down. You need to calm down. Where she's. Uh, she depicts all these homophobic bigots as the stereotype of white yeah, rural, rural America. Sort of, yeah. And queer rural Americans are like, uh-uh, no, you no. need to be... You can't you, scapegoat those. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, need to be, you need to be showing the homophobic politicians and CEOs yeah. in suits. Yeah. Like, One of the things I really like, um, tangential to this, uh, Rhea Butcher often highlights a Instagram page on their Instagram page called Queer Appalachia. Mm-hmm. That is all about that and that representation. And then like, no, these, these places are full of queer people, just like everywhere else in the world. Yeah. Like they're everywhere. It's not localized to just one geographic location. <laughs> Which is not to say that rural America is friendly. Not necessarily, no. Not necessarily. That's that's a very surface level reading of Wicked Little Town. Yeah. Is I've got to get out of this Wicked Little Town because it's they hate me here. Yeah. Which I mean, it's true. That happens too. Yeah, yeah. It's too, but there is there is more going on. Yes. So I thought that that was well. I think in in the same way of that, I think it's also interesting. Um, I think Hedvig's fan base that we see throughout the performances is is always in these small little towns as well. Like after a point, like the the headheads, I think they're called, that wear the giant foam wigs, Um, and like those are typically i can't say that their their sexuality is queer but they are very queer coded on screen Mm -hmm. um in you know often these small little family restaurants and things like that there's almost you know almost always someone there who is a fan of hers as well or there's a there's a shot of like in one of the earlier restaurants there is a young person sitting at a table with their family mm-hmm. and they sort of see Hedvig's performance for the first time. And it's like a six second shot or less. But like, to my mind, that person is having their ring of keys moment from, uh, from, run, home. <laughs> from run, run home. Like they're having this realization of like, wait, you can do what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's other people out there that yeah. have these things going on. Um, and so I really liked that idea of, like Hedvig being, you know, Johnny Appleseed of being queer and loud throughout, <laughs> um, you know, Middle America, yeah. and helping people, you know, find themselves. And I think that's something that is that Hedvig the show has also done for a lot of people. I think, um, you know, watching the the documentaries on the Blu-ray. Um, they talk about like how much they f- saw themselves in Hedvig, you know, even not being directly compatible of being like a trans person or a gender fluid person, but like being an outcast, being in, you know, being the new Berlin wall. Um, I, such a brilliant opening line. 
don't you know me? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Like, that is a show's thesis right there, yep. up front. Oh, it's just perfect. <laughs> it's nice when a show tells you what it's going to be about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think, I think the show had big, and the thing that Riverdale failed to show was how much this show has meant to lots of people as they've discovered themselves and as they've been in these outsider positions and, and been in positions that they didn't have any control over mm-hmm. and were forced into. And even with the wall metaphor, it's not a black and white like mm. system. No. And it's complicating that like binary yeah. the whole time and yeah. critiquing the binary the whole Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Which is probably why the mother goes to East Germany. Yeah. Like, complicated. <laughs> West equals good, East equals, equals bad. Yeah, um, and and Hedvig is right there in the liminal space between the two. Yeah, that's that's what's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say, the music in this show is really good. Like it I feel is. like I feel like we haven't said that. I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, <laughs> like it does an incredible job of being like a rock album. Like these are all catchy tunes some of them are up some of them are down but like all of them are good and they're pretty deep yes like there's a lot of metaphors Mm -hmm. and and yeah well it helps messages yes yeah well i mean the we haven't talked about the origin of love which is a great song i can't remember that's the animated one oh okay yeah the which is osiris not (laughs) Not cyrus the the greek god cyrus (laughs) you ruined the song um, yeah, that was a good one. But again, they're, they're all good. I really like all the songs in the show. That's all I wanted to say on that. I just think they're really good. Uh, I think, uh, Stephen Trask, the guy who wrote all the songs is also in Hedvig's band. I couldn't figure out which one. I couldn't either. He's one of them. <laughs> I think he's the other guy that was doing backup vocals. Other than Itzhak. Well, so you had, you had the drummer, you had Itzhak on backup, singing in a upper register. Mm-hmm. Um, so singing in that actress's like natural register, which I think is really interesting as well. And again, complicates Itzhak as a person. Itzhak is so fascinating to me. I want to watch Itzhak and the Angry Inch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like Hedvig too, but I also want to see that story. Um uh, this was the first time I noticed at the end that Hedvig's tattoo changed at the end of the show. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you had picked up on that. I did. But I, 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 oh, I, I saw it was a new tattoo, but I see it was an addition. It was, it was the same, it was in the same spot. Okay. Yeah. That was, this was, yes, I realized that the tattoos were different, but at the end of the show, it is in the same spot on her side where the first one was. Right. It's suggesting that she has found herself. Yes. I believe. Yeah. Through this journey. Yeah. She has, she has completed, you know, in a very literal sort of sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we see her, you know, walking into the night nude and complete. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really cool. Uh Costume design over the whole thing was really good. The dress made out of wigs when they were singing Wig in a Box mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you wrote something down during the Menses Fair. I don't know oh, what it I was. was. Just write, like, I was just laughing. <laughs> I know you were writing something. And I was like, Amy wrote down something here. Ask her what it was. That the name Menses Fair must have been taking on like Lilith Fair. Oh, I'm sure. Or, yeah. or something like that. And I don't know if it's insulting to call it the Menses Fair. Uh, I, I think... I think when you have someone like Hedvig performing at the Menses Fair, it complicates. Right, because those uh, those kind of fairs, I, I don't want to generalize them all, but they are they are they can be they can be reifying women, you know, traditionally women's biology mm-hmm. that is vulvas and uteri, uteruses, mm-hmm. um, as the core of womanhood. Yes, and that is not. Yes, that is transphobic. <laughs> Very. 
Um, uh, so I don't know if that was intentionally kind of complicating. But I really liked it. Complicating that or just making fun of I It can be both. It can be both. It can be both. Do- but be I was laughing at the way they shot it so that the porta potties look like Stonehenge. Yes! That was really and, good. Like, she's performing out in the potty section. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and it looks like Stonehenge. And there's like one person standing out there with an umbrella, a little cute little goth person. Yeah. And then eventually Hedwig just sits on the stage and says, hey, come on, sit down next to yeah, me. We'll just... Yeah, So that's what I was writing down. Because <laughs> yeah, also this musical is very funny. It's Stone a very funny Henge movie. Stonehenge, potty-potties. <laughs> it's all in how you look at things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was very progressive of the Menses Fair to give Hedwig a stage. Yes, yes. Even if it was in the yeah, potty zone. I think it's making a commentary that those women's fairs were, were turfy. Yeah. Before we had the word turf. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wrote down, ask Amy what she was writing that one. But it's such a funny name. It is. It's a very funny name. Menses Fair. Uh, I don't have a lot more. I think that was most of my thoughts. Um, yeah, that was, that was most, like, a band is kind of a queer family, mm-hmm. there's two members with a baby, that's good representation. Yes. Um, uh. Oh, we didn't mention the band manager. Oh, Andrea Martins. Yeah, she's great. Well, yeah. I just like Andrea Martins. Yes, so. that's what I mean, Andrea Martins is great. <laughs> I like the part when she's booking it and she's like, no, ha- angry inch, inch, not itch, inch. inch. Because for the longest time, I thought it I was I think everybody itch. did. I think everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> no, inch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's fun. Yes. She did a lot of, a lot of good work in that show. Um, I liked how when she saw the Berlin Wall coming down, that was going with that theme of being the wall. And, mm-hmm. and she's thinking through, probably, this is me reading the subtext, she didn't have to change her life yeah, to like, escape Berlin. If she just waited a little bit longer, it yeah. would come down. Well, especially with the, like, the voiceover, like, Germans are so patient, and it finally worked out. And Right, it's after her husband has left her. Mm-hmm. Um, For, interestingly enough, what appears to be another young cis man. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fascinating uh, just because I think, I think the show, I think that further complicates the operation that Hedvig goes through and, and complicates her relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think to a certain extent she went through it because she thought that she thought that's what Luther wanted. Like, yes, we got to get mm-hmm. through the, the, you have to be married over here. There's a physical examination, but I think there was also sort of a sense in her that that's what Luther wanted. Mm-hmm. And then to also find out, nope, was hard. Yeah. There's a lot of layers to peel back. Yes. And there are a lot of places to trip up pretty badly. Yeah. Yeah. you got to be real careful producing this as a new show on stage today. Like, get a trans director in here. <laughs> Let them go at it. Representation on and off stage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think we've gone forever. Oh, and the the this thing. thing yeah, so so we may not long. have recorded all of it. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you don't get to hear the podcast. It's still going. Okay, cool. Because it didn't record. Yeah, there's there's a couple episodes that you've never heard because we recorded them incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was that was my first. Yeah. Hedvig. I'm glad I watched it again. I think I got more out of it, but it's yeah. it's a good show. I would definitely go see it on stage. Oh yeah. Right. Right, we'll say good night, Amy. Whew. Good night. That was a long one. <laughs>